ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and Father Dickinson is um, unavailable today. So instead, we have a, uh, a guest co-host in studio, Mike Banworth. Mike has been with the diocese for a really, really, really long time. <laughs> Mike, what, what's your, and I can't ever remember what your formal title is, so rather than me muddling up, what's your official title with the diocese? Well, thanks for having me here today. Uh, my title with the diocese, I'm the finance director um, in layman's or sometimes in business terms, that would be kind of the considered the chief financial officer of a, a company or corporation so that might be out there. Kind of like the CFO. CFO. Okay. And um, dealing with the, everything from the budgets to the, the banking and finance that runs through investments, um, just managing all the financial operations of the diocese. And then um, also working with the parishes in an indirect role, our parishes and Catholic schools throughout the diocese as well. So Mike and I are going to talk about the the theology of the Trinity today. That's it. No, 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 obviously. We're, I think I'm ready to go then. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the church and money, two things which people some people might think is like uh, water and oil. Well, they mix, but they shouldn't mix or something. Uh, and and just have a conversation about some of those things. But that reminds me, as always, um, if you have any questions about what, what Mike and I talk about today. Um, any ideas for future episodes? Any listener feedback at all? The, the the best way to contact me is by emailing me cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C B U R G W A L D at sfcatholic.org. I won't give out Mike's email. So <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but I do think, Mike, you know, a lot of people, because obviously the church literally in, in our ministries, literally the buildings, depends on the goodwill of the members of the church of Catholics and, and Catholics oftentimes do have questions about, you know, and, and not necessarily, you know, sometimes all I hear about is money. I rarely hear uh, a homily or a sermon about money myself. Um, but people do have legitimate questions sometimes about, well, how does it work? I mean, I've had questions. I asked you some sure. things uh, before, uh, before we recorded today about, you know, how do we do some things? Why do we do some things about money? And so I thought it might be interesting for listeners by radio or podcast to, to, for us to talk a little bit about, um, about that today. So there are all sorts of different ways to, to get into this, but, um, I think a lot of people just, you know, sort of, uh, the, where the rubber meets the road, people give, uh, to their parish collection on whether it's a weekly or monthly or annual basis, however often they do it. That's where a lot of people are familiar with the idea of church and money. So when, when somebody, when somebody gives money to their parish in their, their weekly offering, what's that used for? What is that? Where does, where does that money go? Well, we can talk about a different <clears throat> couple of different approaches that way. And, and even going back to the comment you made, we're not hearing, uh, really all that much about money at the parish level or at the diocesan level. You know, we always need to keep in mind that without the money, the ministries aren't going to exist. Right. And so you need that money to support everything that we're doing. And and in the broader sense, from a financial standpoint, I think we all kind of just assume that um, things just happen. We go to church, there's a building there, the lights are on, right. the heat is on, there's air conditioning, the the office staff is paid all of those things all come from the collections and from the money that comes in from the parishioners to begin with. And so really when they 
to begin with, take a step back and kind of look at everything that's going on around you, really those nuts and bolts, it, it all starts with that. And that's really a significant portion of, of a parish budget is when the collection comes in, it's going to support those that infrastructure of everything, as well as all the ministries and really all the, the things that we want it to be able to go to and, and support all those things, whether it's youth or faith formation and education. Um, you, you need the lights on, you need the other things to also make that happen. I think it, to me, it's it's like if you if you if someone just thinks about their their own personal family budget, you know, I've, you know, maybe you got a mortgage payment, got to pay for the as you said the utilities and so on, all those things still it's it's not as if the uh, the the uh, electric company gives the church uh, electricity for free, um, all those th- those all as the, we were saying, all those things cost money and they they need to be paid for and it doesn't come from the diocese. Correct. There's not some secret stash of money in your in a safe in your office by which the electric bill at uh, Parish X, Y, or Z gets paid for. That that comes out of the generosity of, of the people sitting in the pews. You know, it really does. And, and another thing when you talk about people not hearing so much about money, it's important sometimes that they do. They need to see what the needs are at the parish level so they know is our is our giving where it should be to support the things that we want to be supporting or our other needs that we can step forward and take care of and and the better informed they are generally the more likely they are to give to support things and it, it goes hand in hand that way and i do want to talk about so better informed about the sorts of the disclosures that, that are made and how people can find out a lot of the information that they might have questions about at the parish uh, and or diocesan level but just to go back for a moment to some of the costs that you were talking about so there's the ongoing sort of the regular things bills and so on staff you know ministry you mentioned i mean many of our, our of many catholic parishes will offer support for those in the parish or people who come into the parish who have needs, you know, food and, and that's, um, you know, just financial assistance. Again, all of those sorts of things come from the ger- generosity of the people in the pews, right? They do. And, you know, if you look at, um, as you talked about, just at your as you're at your home, you have the basic needs of the, the heat, the lights, those kinds of things. And you also have the programming needs of those things, as you see, that are visible going on. In addition to that, you know, generally there are a lot of cases at the parish level and the diocesan level where there are charitable needs that we're called upon to support either directly through our parish or or others. And so we also look to ways to, to provide that as well. There might be <clears throat> maybe a parishioner that has a, a tragedy in their family. They have a fire. They have an illness or whatever. It's not uncommon for a parish maybe to step up, and, and how do we help that individual? They right. might even have um, a gathering or event to, to support that. Um, you know, when you look at the collections and you talked about how does really the money actually come in, and there's even a variety of ways when you look at it that way. We all think of the, um, the basket that comes around, and we all drop our envelope in, and, and that's how the money comes through to the collection. But that's only one piece of it. There's many parishes are also in the process now where it's all electronic. And, and sure. we have a variety of parishes that offer uh, electronic giving for individuals. We have parishes where, where individuals will donate stock to the parish um, as part of their giving. In the rural areas, the parishioners might donate a load of grain the right. farmers might as a home. so there's really a variety of sources that that 
um, parishes rely on. And and from a financial standpoint, if you really look at it, consider the the makeup of the parish, if you kind of look around, and you're in a parish where there's a lot of young families and a lot of activity and, and small children, chances are the parish financially kind of has the makeup of the family as you look around. So those families are there a lot of ingenuity and they might live from week to week and there's a lot of volunteerism then at the parish level and everything and financially the parish somewhat probably, probably lives week to week right on the other hand you might have a parish where maybe the parishioners are a little bit older and maybe the weekly giving isn't as high but you know they're a little more mature and they've got some savings put away for the future or um, a parking lot or whatever it might be and they might operate a little bit different like that way. And, and you might have a rural parish that um, they'll look at their needs throughout the year. And week to week, it may vary, but their income might be dependent upon uh, what season it is and when the crops come in or when the cattle are sold and all those kinds of things. So the parish really kind of takes on the really the, the parishioners and kind of the community that they're in. And the other thing, too, that I thought of as you were saying that um, – I think the, the typical American, most of us, uh, you and I, um, we were paid the same amount, you know, weekly or every other week or twice a month, whatever. You know, the wage earners, we get the same. But a parish, literally, it varies from week to week. And so the, the pastor and his financial council, finance council, have to sort of plan and, you know, and look at the past and, and make projections for the future. But again, it all depends on, on the generosity and what people are, are able to contribute literally on a week to week basis or even season to season is the, some of the examples you just gave. Oh, it really does. <clears throat> and it's important then for the fer- parish to plan ahead and do their budgeting. We ask that every parish um, prepare a budget for the coming year and that they really look at that. And that's kind of their roadmap for the year. And right. within that, then they can also kind of plan cash flow right. and know when there's ups and downs throughout the year. And we need to, we need to plan for that. So along the lines of, thinking of you know, the, the money given to the parish and, and collection and then time of wage earners, does, where's the priest's salary? Do priests get a salary? And, and where does that come from in the context of, of, parish donations or diocesan funds and so on? Well, just as a parish has um, <clears throat> other individuals that might work for them, whether it's a secretary or religious head director or whatever, the priest is actually considered an employee of the parish. Okay. And so they are paid, it's a modest salary, but they're paid a salary by the parish along with their reimbursement for travel. Um, really room and board is what they'd have. And um, most of when you consider their room and board is going to be living in the rectory. That's also provided by the parish and expected to be provided there. But really, the priests are going to receive a salary. And, um, you know, in as a matter of equity and justice to the priests, whether you're a priest of several small parishes, a pastor of several small parishes, or the pastor of the large parish, largest in the diocese, you're basically going to receive the same salary. So it's not necessarily really? dependent on where you're at. Um, but really, that that work and you're called to ministry as a priest. So, so the the and is that common? Other speaking for I guess starting with our own diocese at least. So, so there's a sort of a salary schedule in a sense that's set at the diocesan level for all the priests of the diocese. It is. It's okay. set for all the priests, and then it takes into consideration that, as I mentioned, their their living expenses. Um, as it relates to, to to their work right. is generally covered by the parish right. either either through the rectory 
um, that's provided for them or the groceries or things that they leave. And then their their salary really is for them for their personal living expenses. Right. Um, just like anybody else, as you mentioned, you know, if they have outside interests or have uh, want to take a vacation, whatever it might be, then those funds are used for those. Or other there might be other charitable giving that they want that to they do want personally. To do. And I've seen that. I mean, some of the the the. Uh, the diocesan reports that are in the bishop's bulletin and so on, I've oftentimes seen several priests uh, indicating that, so it's an indication that they've contributed to various um, charities or diocesan uh, appeals that we have ourselves. Exactly, yeah, and they're, and they're, they're very charitable-minded. So, so um, the, but as you, the, that salary, though, that comes, that doesn't come from the diocese, that comes from the, collect, the, the parish collection as well. Yes. So it's the amount is set at the diocesan level, but the actual monies come from the generosity generosity of the, the that pastor's parishioners. Right. Right. They're paid. They're paid by the parish that they're assigned to. So they don't get to, and they again they don't get to set their own salary. That's already predetermined exactly. at the diocesan level. Yeah. Um, I should mention too, the parish also pays in um, for their health insurance. Sure. Um, for those benefits, just again like they would, um, where they pay a portion maybe for uh, a lay employee. <clears throat> Um, but they do pay for the priest insurance. And then parishes are also asked to pay into, we have a, a diocesan, a priest pension, and um, the parishes are asked to make an annual payment into that pension fund for every priest or pastor that's assigned to their parish. And that goes into to the fund for retirement as well. Okay. So all that, all those are contributed as well, as you were saying. Yes. Okay. So... Um, you, I'm pretty sure, Mike. You're you you have a you're a CPA. You're a certified public accountant. Yes. Okay. I I don't think any of our priests are. Are they? You know, in their past life, there's there have there's been okay. several some, that are. I do know some of them. It's interesting. <laughs> they they are, and their comments now. I think they're grateful and glad they're a priest and not a CPA. <laughs> but and where I'm going with that is, so where do for the many of the priests who have never been CPAs, um, so the, the finance council in a parish. What's the role of the finance council to to help the priest who again maybe is not familiar with the details that way? Um, what's the role of the finance council? How how do they help the parish uh the pastor of the parish plan well every every parish is required to have a finance council and, and by really, who, required by who well we operate um every parish is is as we talk about kind of a business entity they're a separate legal corporation that's out there okay so we we as an entity that way each parish has to operate under the laws of the state of south dakota just like any other business that's out there and follow civil law. And as such, you know, we, um, payroll taxes, all of those kinds of things, business reporting, all those filings have to be done just like any other business. In addition to that, as church, we also have to follow canon law or church law. And canon law prescribes how uh, the different structures might be set up. Um, even though the, the bishop has the oversight over everything within the diocese, the pastor has the responsibility delegated to him at the parish level. Part of that role also then is that each parish has a finance council. And that finance council's role is really to act as advisors to the pastor. And so while the pastor has the responsibility um, for the operations of the parish, his, his role as pastor is really to look to those experts in the parish and advise him and seek their advice and counsel 
as he's making those decisions. So the finance the finance council is really going to be very involved then in preparing the budget and monitoring all of that, monitoring the inflow and the outflow of the expenses and everything as it comes through to to really assist in those operations. And my in my understanding is I think in canon law. Um, a parish council actually isn't required. M- many parishes do have a par- pastoral council, parish council, but a finance council is is, is a matter of canon law, correct? correct. As you were just, so so interesting that, that even that so that's that goes back to the most recent um, code of canon law it was was um, issued in 1983 in Rome by the Vatican by Pope John Paul II. So that's something that 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 at the universal level the Church says it's important that we have um, this structure in place for our parishes. Exactly. So, okay. So, I mentioned disclosures earlier. So, what sort of what sort of um, information do parishes have to reveal or, or show to who? Whether it be to to the, the people of the parish, whether it be to diocesan personnel. How, how does that work? Well, so if you if you look at it operationally, um, you know, there's a couple things that you have disclosure, but then you also have to maintain kind of a level of what I would call confidentiality. And so really, in the finance council's role, we want them to act as advisors or ask them to act as advisors to the pastor. But parishioners also need to know that their level of personal giving to the parish is really something that's that's kept confidential. Right. In the parish records and with the pastor, that's not something that's generally shared with the finance council. They look at it more from a broader scope so that there doesn't need to be concern there. But the finance council... Um, is involved from a from a budgeting standpoint and reviewing the overall operations so they can advise the pastor. And then the, the parishioners also are asked that they should be given a report. Generally, that's done on an annual basis. Some may do it more often, and it's probably going to be in, a obviously, a more summary form right. than what the Finance Council is going to dig into, but really give them a good summary of here's the operations of the parish, Here's our balances, our assets, what we have for um, buildings, furnitures. So they really have a good sense of not only where the parish is at, but then usually a parish will kind of tie in what they see as future needs and kind of help plan for the future with all of that. But all of that is is shown and, and disclosed with the parish. In addition to that, every parish on an annual basis is required to file an annual report with the bishop's office. Okay. And that'll include a set of financial statements. It also includes what we would call census information, which would be number of families, um, number of school-age kids, let's say, in each religious education grade or class, a breakdown of all of that, the different um, sacraments throughout the year. So just a, a snapshot of where the parish is at. So so those reports then that are submitted to the diocese, is there is there any sort of review process then from, from the diocese to the parish level? A couple of things that we do with them, <clears throat> we review all the reports that come in, and we would that would be in my office from a financial standpoint. Um, we would go through all those, look for any, um, if there's anything that we would question that... Um, um, is out of the ordinary of, you know, why is why does this look the way it is or, th- or this that we wouldn't typically expect to see. And then what we also do on a, on a rotating basis, we will go out and do, again, out of our office, what I would call an operational review of the parish, and we'll go out and, and look at and review files, make sure that they're filing their 
their payroll properly and right. payroll taxes properly and, and the reporting back to the donors is being done in a proper fashion that the expenses are supported by invoices. We'll look at paid invoices just as if an outside firm is going to come in and review. We don't do a full-blown audit, um, but we do an operational review that way. I should note that at the diocesan level and the reporting standpoint, we do have an annual certified audit, and we have an outside firm come in and and audit our financial statements on an annual basis and, and review all of that as well. Okay. So speaking of the diocesan <laughs> level, then the, I think when people think about church and money, at least in the Catholic Church, and particularly in our diocese, there's the the, the weekly giving in in the collection, and then there's the the annual um, Catholic Family Sharing Appeal, the our diocesan appeal. So walk us through that. How does that work? The the our our diocesan appeal. Well, we have, as you mentioned, we have an annual Catholic Family Sharing Appeal, and that really is the primary support of our diocesan operations. And so just as the parish relies on their regular weekly collections, that's kind of the bread and butter of what the diocese relies on for its operations. In addition to that, we will have other sources of revenue to a lesser extent, whether it's from endowments or it might be other fees or it might be um, just a, a variety of sources. And um, the Catholic Family Sharing Appeal, as most people are aware, because they'll they'll hear from the bishop at the time of the appeal and they'll receive something through the mail and everything, we do that on an annual basis and, and um, done at the parish level, basically, but then those funds come back through. <clears throat> and the thing that's unique kind of with our Catholic Family Sharing Appeal is generally begins in February and as that process comes through, we use those funds for that appeal for the following fiscal year so that um, as we plan for the next year and we do our budgeting, we're relying really on the funds from the, the so as an example, the, the Catholic Family Sharing Appeal that began in February of 2014, we'll use for the fiscal year starting July 1 of 2014. So, so in the, the the expenses that come from diocesan programming, with things out of my office, um, the, the the variety of programming ministries that we do at the diocesan level, those expenses are are paid from monies that people have have already generously given in in that pre already or previously in that year from the sh- the sharing appeal. Great, <clears throat> correct. So we set that aside then for that that following year. So, and you said that. Um, there's an audit in place, so an outside party comes in and, and does the reviews for the DAS and financials, basically. Yeah. Okay. So what, looking a little bit about what the, the sharing appeal covers, one thing that you and I had talked about um, uh, beforehand was seminarians before we recorded. Uh, and I, I think people... <laughs> That, that's something uh, for me, just personally. That even I, I've been working working in our diocese for almost twelve years, but it's I, I still forget that seminary costs money, and so we we it's a good thing to have many seminarians. We want more seminarians, but with that comes increased costs as well because their their studies have to be paid for and so on. Um, that's an example of the sort of thing that the Catholic Family Sharing Appeal would cover as well. Exactly. <clears throat> so we would have, in addition to your office and, and seminary and education, it'll also cover support to things such as um, Catholic Family Services, Marriage Tribunal, uh, um, the Vocations Office, Marriage, Family, and Respect Life. But we also need to, to plan as, as we look and really 
the Catholic Family Sharing Appeal stays fairly steady from year to year. Right. Seminary and education, as an example, we're very fortunate in this coming year to have, I believe, nine new seminarians right. coming in. Right. That's a significant change in our budget right. from one year to the next. <laughs> But yet CFSA stays fairly steady from year to year. So those are the kinds of things that, you know, we need to look and plan ahead as, as we do and make sure that we've got the resources then to, to cover those kinds of things, which are, it's a challenge to the budget, but it's a great challenge to have. But my, my understanding, just my time here, it seems like that, that um, we as a diocese, and obviously you're an integral part of that, budget conservatively in the sense of, of trying to to anticipate the possibility of things like that and and not you know not not over presume about the the amount of money that will come in not not under presume about expenses but try to be prudent in, in budgeting we do we try and that's where it's helpful you know as I mentioned even with Catholic family sharing appeal that we forward fund with that and really use the appeal dollars from the previous six months or year anyway to carry out the out the following year so we got about two and a half minutes left mike um one thing i think part at the dawson level and parish level that sometimes people are unaware of is and you mentioned uh, you alluded to endowments so there can be restricted people make might make a contribution but it's restricted and so there can be monies that that uh, a parish has on the books or the diocese has on the books but they've been restricted in terms of what they can be spent on and how much can you briefly talk about that yeah, there's a couple different kinds or several different ways you can restrict funds. It could be as simple as just you're restricting the purpose. And so a, a parishioner donates money for a towards a new roof or a new furnace or maybe for a ministry or a statue or those kinds of things where that money is going to be spent. But, but we, again, going back to canon law, then we're obligated to abide by those restrictions that the donor puts on. And then we'll spend those towards that purpose. A further restriction might be if an endowment is created, and many times this might come from an estate or something where maybe it's a, a larger dollar amount, and they'll create an endowment for tuition assistance or parish maintenance or beautification or something of that nature. And then only a portion of the funds would be spent every year. So typically they're invested, generate an earnings, and then you spend a portion of that so that you really have a steady stream in the future out into perpetuity. For uh, cemeteries is another great. great example where you have a perpetual care fund operates really that way. So there's so, money on books, but you can't just spend it willy-nilly because yes. it's restricted. Yeah, it's restricted, and, and we, have to, we have to follow those agreements. Any, uh, any final thoughts? You know, just real briefly, um, you know, we talked really pretty specifically at the parish level. Um, if you think in the broader terms, many times as Catholics, we're, we're called, called to think broader in terms of charity, and we do that really at the diocesan level and even worldwide, and I think the parishioners are used to seeing a variety of envelopes right. for various purposes, and Catholics generally have been very generous, whether it's um, for earthquakes, hurricanes, others that typically through Catholic relief and Catholic charities, we've really stepped up around the world and donated to a lot of causes. And again, that's all because of the generosity of Catholics in the pews. Absolutely. That's, that's where their money comes from. So, right, thanks, Mike, for being here today. Great. Thank you, Chris. You bet. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, if you have questions about today's episode or any thoughts for topics for future episodes, my email address is cbergwaldsfcatholic.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.